you can even watch back Giving players all the props or put them on blast We don't give no hot takes, only talk facts We're giving all our devotion Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time No, we no stopping us till we reach the finish line
don't give no hot takes. Only talk back. S I C K. S I C K. S I C K. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise! Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Stanley pour les Canadiens. Le fac troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, January 24th. How is everyone doing today? The sick podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. The Sick Podcast also brought to you in part by these guys here, La Bit et TB, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bit et TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit et TB, embrace your true nature. The Sick Podcast also brought to you in part by Playground, over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and cash games, daily promotions, unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? They are located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It is the new, revamped, new, renovated playground. Experience the strip without the trip. All right, okay, so uh, as you know, the Sick Podcast goes weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, I will tell you this, uh, you know, a, a vast majority of the shows are live every now and then. Uh, because of whether it's my schedule or the schedule of one of our collaborators, we will pre-record a little bit earlier. So in all transparency, uh, what you're watching right now has been recorded a little bit earlier in the day because our regular collaborator on Wednesdays is Craig Button, TSN Director of Scouting and Hockey Analyst, all right? But, of course, tonight uh, was a big night because it was the... um, CHL slash NHL prospects game. So by the time you're watching this, the prospects game was probably actually over and you'll already will have watched it. And so we're not going to talk about the game, but uh, we will talk about some of the prospects. So without further ado, I bring on Craig Button. And once again, I'm pre-recording because Craig Button obviously is working that game. Craig, how are you? I'm good, Tony. Maybe what we should do is is maybe we could do uh, the show, the sick podcast, while I'm doing the broadcast, and we just go back oh, yeah. and forth. 
I don't know if people remember Rod Black. Rod Black is a brilliant broadcaster. Yes. And I, and I had the opportunity to work with him a number of times. And he, he's fascinating. He, he would have two phones. He'd be calling the play-by-play. -play. He'd be answering tes texts on both phones, never miss a beat. And, you know, it's amazing, it's to, amazing. to watch the brilliance of, of, of some of the uh, some of the announcers in sports and how they can multitask. And I don't know if I could do it, but, hey, why not try it one night, Tony? Uh, that's uh, the sign of a very talented broadcaster for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. TSN and the Sick Podcast coming together. I'd have to see it to believe it, but crazier things have happened. You never know. You never know. Look, we're going to talk about uh, some of those prospects. Uh, I have the lines for Team White. I have the lines for Team Red. We'll do that. But because it's a Montreal Canadiens po um, podcast, of course, I'd like to start with the Montreal Canadiens, who, Craig, you know, I said this earlier today, uh, I, I, I put it on social media somewhere, and I said, look, I, I totally understand the rebuild. As a matter of fact, I've been all for it, and I endorse it. I understand there's going to be growing pains. I understand there's going to be bumps in the road. I understand the National Hockey League is not easy. I understand there's a lot of good teams out there as well. But I, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that I'm very disappointed what I've seen in the last three games. Uh, a game in Ottawa last week on Thursday where they lost by a score of 6-2. to two. Uh, A game in uh, Boston on Saturday where they lost by a score of 9-4. to four. And last night in front of their fans losing by a score of 4-1 to one once again to the Ottawa Senators. And what I didn't like is not so much the three losses. What I didn't like is the way they played 75% of those three games. I mean, the game in Ottawa they pretty much gave up with about 30 minutes left in the game. The game in Boston, they pretty much gave up with about 19 minutes left in the game. And the game last night versus the Ottawa Senators, I thought the Montreal Canadiens did not put their best foot forward. I didn't see the defensive structure. I didn't see the defensive awareness. I didn't see the second effort. I didn't see the compete. And for me, it was it was um, a test of, 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 of character last night. You know, you, you got... You got obliterated by the senators last week. You know, show them, show them your 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 um, your bite. Show them your your the fact that you want to get. I, I just get back at them, and I, I, you know, it's rare that I've been down on this team this season because I know the context that is Craig. But I think the last three games have been um, very disappointing, to say the least. Marty St. Louis after the Boston game, you know, was, was very somber. And he talked about how the league can, uh, can humiliate you at times and, and, you know, leave you in a place that's really uncomfortable. And, and you're right. I mean, that game in Boston, I mean, it was a back and forth affair for two periods and then it really got away from Montreal in the third period. And Boston's a very good team. You know, you, I, I go back to last week versus Ottawa, you know, Ottawa, Ottawa played a good game, and and, and certainly M Montreal in that game, I didn't think, I know you said three quarters, I didn't think in that game they were really there. In the game on Tuesday night, it, 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 they got overwhelmed early. They, they found their legs in the third period, and they had and, and they and they really carried much more play. What were the shots at one point in time? I think they were 17-3 to three for Ottawa. So, you know, you're going through a stretch of the game where you get three shots on goal and you're not even close to threatening. And I think, you know, it's almost like 
you know, you're, you're, you're in the water, you're, you're, you're on the beach, you're at the ocean, and these waves just come, they sweep over the Montreal Canadiens. And I, I think that that's what happened to them last week against Ottawa. I think it happened during the third period against Boston. And then it started like that versus Ottawa. But a team right now where the Montreal Canadiens find themselves, and, and, and I think this is really important, Tony. You know, it's one thing to, to, to have young players. It's one thing to try to be working through the development part of, of, of your individuals and your team. But I, I think right now, when you start to get overwhelmed, and, 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 and it doesn't – in this league, you know, you can really get yourself into a, in, in, into a, a deep hole – and I'm talking about in games, when you get overwhelmed for 20 minutes. And I think two things have happened to Montreal. Number one, some of the injuries are starting to rear their ugly head, uh, you know, on players. Some of the players, you know, the challenges of playing in, in January and February and March are different than playing in October and November when you're fresh. And when you have some injuries and then now you still have some inexperienced players, you know, you can get overwhelmed. And, and Marty St. Louis, I think, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh. Sometimes coaches, all coaches, you want your team to play a certain way, but sometimes you got to get your team into a space of just like, you know what, we're not going to do things that maybe we would like to do, but we're not going to do things that are going to hurt us. And I think the Montreal Canadiens right now look like a team that's uh, not sure of themselves. And and I think this is where coaching comes in. Okay. We're going to simplify, you know, over the course of a season, you run into these what I call bumps in the road. The all-star break is on the horizon. The break is on the horizon for the Montreal Canadiens. So I think that right now you have a team that certainly has given the fans, uh, I think, every reason to be excited about the future. But right now they're going through that present period of time where the bumps on the road are really significant for them. And right now it's not like they get overwhelmed for the whole game. But they're getting over. They're getting overwhelmed at times in the game where they can't really get themselves kind of steadied again, and and that becomes a real problem. And, and I think for the coaching staff, it's giving them a plan that says, okay, you know what? Like, and I, I hate to use words like survival or tread water, but changing it up a little bit in terms of how they're going to play to protect the players. Like, I think that's where you got to get to. This team yeah. isn't making the playoffs. So how do you protect the players and how do you protect their confidence? Craig, when Marty St. Louis was hired, I, I think the Canadians were sending the message out to everyone that, uh, you know, the face of the team, the way they were going to play was going to be a high tempo offensive team, right? Um, with 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 offensive ideologies, very attack minded, and and I'm all for it. By the way, okay. Uh, some will argue that offense doesn't win championships; defense wins championships. And by the way, and I buy that. I, I think you have to learn how to play defensive hockey. There's no doubt about it. But I look at it from a fan perspective as well. You know, fans. It's an 82 game season. They'll get 41 games on home ice that they'll be able to attend if they want to, plus the preseason games. 
Uh, they'll be watching throughout the entire. They want to be entertained. Only one team will win the Stanley Cup at the end of the year, and and players love to play in offensive systems, right? Because offensive systems means they usually pick up goals, they pick up assists, they pick up points, and the more goals, assists, or points they pick up, probably the more money they're going to end up making. All right, uh, it's a lot more fun. There's a lot more glory to playing offense than the glory that you'll get when you play defense. Having said that, they seem so behind on their defensive game on their defensive awareness, on their defensive assignments, on their defensive structure. There's a little bit of confusion when to play man and confusion when to play zone in terms of defensively. Um, should they not start maybe integrating that a little bit more? And of course, it's already integrated, but should there not? And, and would would the addition of a defensive tactician to the staff going forward be something beneficial to this team? I think, Tony, to answer the last part and the last question, I think you're always trying to look at what you could add that would support your team and, and, and help your team be better. So I'm not going to say that that's the right path to go on. I'm not going to say it's, it's the wrong path to go on because Marty St. Louis and Trevor Litowski and, uh, you know, Steph Robida and Alex Burroughs, I mean, they've played in good defensive systems. They've played and understand good defensive hockey. You know, when, when you start to get matchups where your players are, are just a little bit beyond their capabilities, they're, they're going to get taken advantage of. And, and, and that's where I say trying to put your players in a position where you can protect them. I get the whole let, let's play offensive. Let's make sure that we entertain the I, – I get all that. But at the same time, when your team is losing 9-4 in Boston and you're getting beat up and you're not having the puck and your goaltender has to stand on his head, that's where I say, you know, just kind of simplifying and saying, listen, you know what? We're going to forecheck with one player. We need to get back to a point where we're not giving up chances. And in their own zone, sometimes, you know, we're going to play zone defense. We're not going to play uh, player on player. We're going to play zone defense. You know, one of the things that I've watched with the Montreal Canadiens in the last number of weeks, and, and it's happening in the defensive zone lots, they are getting beat behind them. They are getting beat behind them laterally, and they're getting seamed uh, on a lot of plays. And, you know, so whether that's awareness, whether that's players out there that, that, that just get beyond their capabilities a little bit, but it, and now players look unsure of themselves. So I, that's where coaching to me just says, hey, listen, we're, we're just going to root in. We're going to root in two defensemen here. We're going to squeeze everything to the outside, and we're not going to give up anything. And, you know, let them have the puck. Sometimes, you know, letting the team have the puck outside the dots is not a bad thing. Let them have the puck. It, it, it's, you want to defend inside the dots. And that's where Montreal right now is having a real struggle. They're having a struggle defending inside the dots from the circles down. Yeah. That's where they're vulnerable. So simplify it. Play a zone defense. Say, listen, you're not getting in here. And, and that's how you got to play. And, and there's going to be periods of time when, when you got to just say, that's what we got to do. And again, I'm, I'm using the term protect the confidence of the players. You know, there's going to be times when you can you can play a little bit quicker. But right now, the, the Montreal Canadiens look just – they look uncertain in, in terms of how they play defense. Yeah, and they're ranked – I think they're ranked 28th or 27th or 28th on the penalty kills, so 5th or 6th worst in the entire National Hockey League. One of the things the Canadians used to do so well, and Craig, you know this, and obviously they had a player who did it better than anybody, they used to block shots. 
I mean, Guy Carboneau had become like a, just an expert at uh, at uh, uh, throwing his body in front of a shot right at the right time to block it. And I find that they're not blocking as many shots as they used to sacrificing their bodies. Is that I, I, it's probably common for a team that looks at their health situation, their injuries, looks at where they are in the standings, knows they're in a rebuild. Chances are they're not going to make the playoffs. It's probably common in that regard, I would imagine, to less sacrifice your body. Yeah, I know. I mean, we look and we're, we're trying to find answers. I, I don't have any problem with the Montreal Canadiens with respect to, uh, you know, competing or being prepared to sacrifice. I, I don't have a problem with them. I, I, I You know, you're not going to be able to block shots when, when, when you're giving up lateral ice and you're giving up ice behind you and you're getting seen with the puck. Like you can say that well, you, you're not getting, you're not, you're not, you're not in position to block a shot. That's why I'm saying like, Get them back to to uh, like get, play the four corners. We're we're, we're going to play and like our defense are going to lock on posts and and we're going to shift and our forwards are going to play our, our wingers or whatever our two forwards are going to play up and then we're going to have the center you know try to push out you know and and you'll see a lot more block shots. But when the Montreal Canadiens are are are, are what I call uh, you know needless pressure. Everybody wants pressure. But you got to have purpose to your pressure. And right now, Montreal looks like the pressure that they want to apply is not coordinated. It's not working, and that's why they're running into problems. But blocking shots, I don't think, is their issue. I, I, I think understanding that wh- wh- how you have to play to, to, to get yourself in, in, into a place where you're not vulnerable is the key right now for this Montreal Canadiens team. All right, okay. Uh Two losses to the Ottawa centers. At one point, Ottawa was 15 points behind the Canadians. And don't look now, but they're eight points behind the Canadians. Uh, they dug a huge hole for themselves, the Ottawa centers. One that's probably impossible to come out of, but they're 4-1-1 one one in their last six. And it seems like what Jacques Martin is selling, it took a while, but it seems like the guys are finally buying in. It looks like Ottawa is going to make a push. You think they can get in? No, not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. Make a push. Make a push. They got no chance to make to make the playoffs. I mean, when 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 you look at it, I mean, and and, and you look at the at the at the Eastern Conference, and and you just look at at where teams find themselves. So I, I mean, I I use I use ninety four points, ninety five points as 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 a barometer to to make the playoffs. So the Ottawa yeah. Senators. You know the Ottawa Senators have thirty nine games left, and they and they have thirty seven points. They they need sixty points in their next thirty nine games, Tony. That means like there are twenty nine wins in their next thirty nine. Like not happening. That's not <laughs> it's happening. not happening. They got no, no chance. <laughs> All right, um, I squashed that, but no, but they. You know, I, I take a look at. I don't understand how they got off to the start that they. They are deep at the forward position, especially. I mean, they have a lot of talent. So, you know, here in Montreal, a lot of Canadians fans, it's divided the rebuild, right? Some have said, okay, you know what? Let's rebuild. You have never done it. We're only two years in. Patience, patience, patience. Jeff Gordon's calling for patience. Kent Hughes is calling for patience. Jeff Molson is calling for patience. But there are some fans and some members of the media who are saying, no, 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 forget it. It's enough now. Start trading some prospects. Start trying to get better right away. I, uh, I asked um, uh, one of my colleagues, um, Matthew Bedard, um, 
producer over at TVA Sports to put together a chart for me. If we can bring it up, you'll, you'll get it, of course. Let's bring up the yeah. chart comparing the Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens and some of their players. Let me put on my reading glasses for this, okay? Ottawa's number one centerman is Tim Stutzla, who's 22 and who's on pace for a 100-point season. And Canadians, uh, I, I don't know why we have Washington Capitals there, okay? So that's a mistake. Uh, Canadians who have uh, Nick Suzuki, who's uh, 24 years old, uh, who's their number one centerman. Canadians' number one goal scorer is Cole Caulfield. Ottawa's number one goal scorer is, is, is Brady Kachuk. Caulfield's 23. Kachuk is 24. Uh, if you take a look at wingers, um, okay, Slavkowski's got six years on Drake Batherson, but I just put them together because they're both wingers on the top two lines of their respective teams. Uh, Gouley's a horse. He's 22. Shabbat's a horse. He's 26. Uh, Kirby Dock is, uh, you know, Second-line centerman on the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Josh Norris would be a second-line centerman on the uh, on the Ottawa Senators, even though he's playing on the first line between him and Stutzla, 1-2. Uh, Doc and Suzuki, 1-2. Um, Newhook is a winger-slash-center. Pinto's a center. Newhook's 22. Pinto's 23. Now, there's other names that are not on this list. Like, for example, 21-year-old Jake Sanderson for the Ottawa Senators. And, and, of course, Lane Hudson or Logan Mayu for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and there are others, okay? My question to you is, when you take a look at the talent that the Senators have stockpiled and the talent that the Canadians have stockpiled, would it, be a, would it not be a blessing? Can the Canadians already compete with this? Or would it not be a blessing in disguise for the Canadians to have another crack at a top-five pick here and have a better pick than the Ottawa Senators? Well, a top five pick is always going to help you in, in, in terms of being able to, you know, acquire players at the upper end of a draft. Now, what I would say in, in that regard, you know, th th there's an age difference be between a number of those players. And when you, when, when you look at the Montreal Canadiens and, and when they started uh, the rebuild, the retool, whatever you want to call it, 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 it now becomes a case of they're early in on it. The, the Ottawa Senators can't say the same thing. So I think the Ottawa Senators, you know, the expectations, they had 86 points last year. They're ahead of the Montreal Canadiens. And, 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 and you would expect that just based on, you know, what, 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 they, what they were able to do. And, you know, the Montreal Canadiens have, have a stockpile of prospects. They have 22 draft picks in the next two years. You know, the, the Ottawa Senators have draft picks and, and, and everything that, and, and, and draft picks and prospects. It's not so much about what you have right now. It's what you're going to do with the, the, the prospects you have and the draft picks you have. Montreal can draft 22 players in the next two drafts. They're not signing them all. They can't sign them all. So you can't keep them all. They have players. They have lots of defensemen in the system. They're not all going to play for the Montreal Canadiens. So what the Montreal Canadiens can't use, you know, evaluating your group, allowing players to grow. Logan Mayu, you bring up. Yarbrough Jack, I went down to the minors. Lane Hudson in Boston, in Boston University. Letting them develop, letting them grow, and let that Justin Barron just sent down. Letting them grow. That's what you want to do. Let them grow and develop and help them develop. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to start, you know, 
consider, I should, I'll, I'll say trading players that maybe you haven't had a full uh, view uh, of what they're capable of doing. The, the great Sam Pollock always said, you know what, we can't start trading our, our good young players until we've tested them in our system, until we've tested them with us. And I, I, that's the same advice that goes to any manager in this league. But the Montreal Canadiens, it's not just the draft. And, and like I said, a top five pick, you know, a chance at that is always good. But they're going to have to evaluate, like, out of their group. Okay, so I'll put it to you, Tony. Struble or Harris? And I'm not looking mm-hmm. for an answer. What I'm saying is, is when I put it to you, right, and just the fact that you paused, just the fact that you paused – it, it is insights into what the Montreal yeah. Canadiens are going through. Because I'll answer it. I think, really I think good players. I'll answer it. I think Jaden Struble will be tougher to play against in the playoffs. Okay, which is okay. So that's great. So you've answered that, right? But that's my, the reason for my question and 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 highlighting just your pause there is it, it's not as simple as you know snapping your fingers and saying okay we'll trade that player. And and yeah. so you want to watch them. You want to watch how they develop. But when you have such a wealth of prospects, a wealth of draft picks, that really positions you now to consider different things. Let's not forget the Montreal Canadiens acquired Kirby Dock in what I thought was a real shrewd move for the seventh overall pick. So, you know, Kirby Dock sits there. He's had an unfortunate run here with injuries. But if, if he can, can – well, not he – when he gets healthy and if he can show what he's capable of doing, I mean, th- that's a top pick. That you just are, and that's some of the that's some of the things that Montreal is going to have to do, and that's some some of the things that the that, that, that if they want to take steps forward, those are the things that they're going to have to look at doing. And I, I think Montreal is well positioned to consider lots of different scenarios, lots of different possibilities, and and I think the Ottawa Senators are as well. But I think the Ottawa Senators are 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 ahead, and that board that you showed with the ages. I, I think it, it it tells you clearly that they're ahead. Yeah. Uh, once And for those who are just joining us right now, the Kirby Doc, um, the Canadians acquired him by trading Romanov and their 98th pick to the Islanders in exchange for the Rangers' 13th pick. And then the Canadians then traded that 13th pick and their 66th pick in the draft to Chicago for Kirby Doc. Okay, but I want to get back to Montreal's players and Ottawa's players for a second. I look at it this way. I think the Canadians have the cupboards are full, right? I, I think they have a lot of depth yeah. and I think they, they have a lot of players, but the, the top line talent, the top line talent, uh, the top talent, I think Ottawa, the players they have, I think it'll be difficult for Montreal's players to be able to top, what Ottawa has right now. I mean, Tip Stutzla is on his way to 100 points. Is Nick Suzuki going to pick up 100 points at one point? Uh, Brady Kachuk is one of the premier power forwards in the game. The expectation is that Uri Slavkowski is going to become a real good two-way power forward as well. But will he be able to have that dimension that Kachuk has or be able to change a game as much as Kachuk can change a game? Will, will Lane Hudson or Logan Mayu or David Reinbacker end up being Sanderson? Now, you can flip this, and you could say, well, if the Canadians end up having more players, more assets than Ottawa, it's better because they'll be deeper. You can look at it that way as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have different types of difference makers, and everybody's going to have different types of of players. And again, the the, the Florida, and I'm just going to use because you're going to Kachuk. The Florida Panthers didn't have a Matthew Kachuk until they went and got Matthew Kachuk. Just because the Montreal Canadiens right now don't have a Brady Kachuk doesn't mean they can't. I'm not suggesting Brady Chuck's coming to the Montreal Canadiens. I'm just saying this is where you can look and and, and try to take uh, try to take advantage of opportunity and seize opportunity again. So like, yeah, you look at your team, you go, okay, we'd like a little bit more of this, and we'd like and and we have a lot of this, and so now can we exchange some of this to get more of that? that that's where the Montreal Canadiens find themselves. And, and, and I think that as you build your team and as you try to find ways to get what, what I what I try to say is, 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 is get all your bases covered. What you're trying to do to become a really good team and a competitive team for the Stanley Cup is get all your bases covered. You know, Tony, I've asked you this question before, but when the Canadians won four straight Stanley Cups in 96, 90, in 1996, in 1976, 77, 78, and 79, their second line was Yvonne Lambert, Doug Reisbrow, and Meryl Trombley. Their third line was 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 Gainey, was Gainey and and uh, and Jarvis and Jimmy Roberts. <laughs> like, you know, the, yeah, they had Lafleur and Lemaire and Shutt and, and Mahovlich and Pierre LaRouche was a fourth line fifty goal scorer. But they had their bases covered. They could play any game you wanted to play. And, and that's what teams are trying. It's not all about having stars. And you're not going to win with a team of, 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 of just Lambert's, uh, Risebrows, and Trombley's. But you fit them into your team, just like Detroit fit in that grind line with LaPointe, Draper, and Maltby. I mean, they become really instrumental to helping your team win. But that's how you work to try to build yeah. your team. And that's how you work and continue to work. So Montreal, are all the bases covered? No, because if they were, we wouldn't be talking about what, what, what we're talking about. We'd be talking about what other chances come Stanley Cup playoff time. And that's what they're building towards. Yeah, there's been some activity with the Canadians over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. Of course, everyone knows that uh, Justin Barron was sent down to the Laval Rocket. Arbor Jackye was recalled and played last night. And then, of course, today, let's bring it up, Joshua Roy, the news on him, who I thought had a difficult game last night. It was a difficult game. He showed some real good signs, by the way. He scored his first NHL goal. He also had a beautiful assist in Boston the other night. But last night, it was a little bit more difficult for him versus the Ottawa Senators, especially without the puck. And the Canadians uh, earlier today loaned forward Joshua Roy to the Laval Rocket. You talked about doing things a certain way and continuing with development. Your thoughts on Joshua Roy, uh, up, for a coffee, uh, up for a cup of coffee, but now back down. Well, the, you, you know, you have a young player, and uh, and – and Joshua, you know what I think about Joshua. I think, I think he's an excellent prospect. So he he played well in Laval. He gets a chance to come up uh, and play in Montreal, and he scores a goal. And it was it was not it was it was nice, and it was it's a great story. But when you're talking, when you're when you're trying to help players understand what the NHL is about, you can tell them and tell them and tell them. But when they come up and they see how fast it is, how competitive it is, how strong the players are, how quick you have to do some things. So Joshua Watt, to your point, starts to show, okay, he's not really quite ready. That's okay. But what he leaves with here is really valuable experience. He leaves He leaves now with skin in the game. He leaves knowing, okay, I got to be a little bit quicker. And, you know, all the developmental aspects that the, the Canadians exercise with their players – 
there's nothing better than those players go, oh, I get it. I get it. I got to be a little bit quicker. When J.F. Hool is telling young players, you got to be quicker, and yeah, they think they are, and then they get to the NHL and they see how quick things happen, that, that is also part of development. So for Joshua Waugh right now, like a good taste of the NHL, understands, goes back. I have, I, I really don't. I have no doubts about his potential uh, to be a, a really good offensive player for the Montreal Canadiens. And he'll go back to Laval and take those experiences that he just had and apply them and get himself even more ready. All right. Uh, huge news in the hockey world earlier today. I, you know, we were waiting to see what was going to happen, of course, in the aftermath of the terrible events that allegedly took place back uh, in 2018 with some members of the world junior team uh, and, and of course, uh, sexual abuse uh, allegations, uh, several players uh, with a young woman. Uh, in the last couple of days, hockey players have left their respective teams. Um, the names are not out earlier this morning the Globe and Mail said that the five players have been arraigned by London police. Uh, London police, there will be a press conference, by the way, on February 5th. At the time of this recording, the names are not out yet. But we do know which players have left their respective teams in the last couple of days, whether it's them or not. Um the, the suspicion by most, seeing as they're all former players of that 2018 Canada World Junior Team, is that where there's smoke, there's fire, and it's likely them. Uh, but once again, at the time of this recording, the names are not out. But we will, if we can bring up the graphic of various teams. There's the Flames with a statement on Dylan Dubé that he's been granted an indefinite leave of absence from the team while attending to his mental health. The Flyers uh, followed with uh, sending out a uh, press release that uh, Carter Hart would be stepping away from the team uh, and time for himself. Um, Alex Formanton, his team overseas, he's left them. And uh, also earlier today, the New Jersey Devils, uh, letting us know that uh, Michael McLeod and Cal Foote have each requested and been granted indefinite leave of absence from the team. Craig, what can you tell us? Well, I, I, I can't tell you anything. I'm not privy to the investigation. I mean, this is a situation that has been going on for uh, a period of time. I mean, uh, Hockey Canada, through, through an independent, re uh, an independent uh, review, uh, had a report. And, and But through that review, it was subject to appeal. So there was an appeal process that took place, and I don't know where that stands right now. But certainly, certainly, uh, you know, you, you, you start to go, okay, who, who was on the world junior team in 2018? We, we know yeah. there was five players. So, okay, so we, we already get down to there. Now we have five players that have taken indefinite leaves of absence from their teams. L let me just say this, Okay. I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. And that is no coincidence. It's as simple as that. I'm not here to be the judge and the jury and everything, but it's no coincidence that the five players that took leaves of absences from their team, including Alex Formanton, who's coming back from uh, uh, from Europe, 
you, you know, are, are there. And, and they were on that team. And, and certainly I am not going to start, at, uh, you know, like I said, being, being judge and jury, but, but it's no coincidence that they took, they took leaves of absences. We'll see what happens when the, the, the London police force reopened the investigation after uh, it, it became the light about the settlement with hockey Canada. We know what the fallout has been with hockey Canada, including all players that were part of that team, not being eligible to participate uh, for any for Hockey Canada in any international event. So we also know that there's players that are getting that that are being prohibited from playing uh, internationally for hockey for Team Canada that that we that are going to be found you know not involved that we know weren't involved. So you know the the the, the ramifications uh, run far and wide, and and certainly this is another step in this investigation. We'll get more answers. Uh, obviously, Hockey Canada had done a report, an independent report. Now the police investigation in London. We'll hear from them and what they have to say. And then the NHL is going to have a say in this too. So yeah. really where we're at now, we're, we're, we're in an unknown period. And, and, and what I have to say is it, it's proceeded. Everybody has said let's let, let's let this proceed and see you know, what, what, what facts uh, bear out. But I, there's no coincidence here. That five players <laughs> all took a leave of absence. Absence, in my uh, view. A lot of fans were scratching their heads about a year ago when they heard of all the rumor talk and trade rumor talk about Carter Hart. And they were saying, oh, hold on a second. What's going on here? A year ago, uh, Carter Hart was 24 years old. He's a, uh, he's a young goalie. Uh, he was, what, uh, five years into the National Hockey League. He had goals against averages of 283, 242, uh, 294. Uh, uh, he had save percentages of 917 and 914 and 905, 907. Like, that's a, what's going on? I think I think people understand a little bit better today that the, the Philadelphia Flyers yeah. probably knew something a year ago. Well, I mean, again, I don't know when investigations start to take place or what NHL teams are privy to or, you know, what's – but the bottom line is, again, you know, the five players that took leaves of absence were all on that team. So – and it's not like they all play on the same team and, you know, they were going on. And when I say going on, like they they all struggled to – I mean, they're in different places and – Again, uh, you know, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's. I don't think it's a coincidence that 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 their leaves of absences coincided now with the report out of London that five players have been asked to come to London to uh, to, to to answer to the charges. Craig, Patrick Waugh will be behind the New York Islanders bench tomorrow night when his team faces the Montreal Canadiens. He was hired, of course, uh, several days ago by the New York Islanders. Uh, he has a record of one win and one loss as their bench boss. Um, his beginning as coach of the Colorado Avalanche was great. The ending was not so great. It was um, it was a sour ending between him and Joe Sackick. Um, it took Patrick Wall a while to get back to the National Hockey League. Some people thought he would never get back. We all know that it's... Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, there's a lot of people in that league that stick together. And, uh, if someone says, uh, no to someone uh, more often than not, pretty much everyone says, no, were you shocked that it was Lou Lamorello to hire him? I mean, you know, the, the, 
The thing we heard about Patrick is that Patrick wanted to be a control freak. He wanted to be the coach. He wanted to be the GM. And the thing we know about Lou is Lou is very much a control freak. So how surprised or not were you that it was Lou that gave him this opportunity? I wasn't surprised one bit. Why don't we go back in time? Why don't we play a little history lesson? Lou hired Jacques Lemaire. They won the cup in 95. He put Larry Robinson in as the head coach, and they won the cup in 20 in 2000, beat our team in Dallas. Uh, he hired Pat Burns. They won the cup in uh, 2003. Lou has dipped into the winning history of the Montreal Canadiens time and time and time again. And he's dipped into it again once more by hiring Patrick Waugh. I'm going to say a couple of things. Eight years ago, almost eight years ago since Patrick left the Colorado Avalanche, and Patrick has acknowledged that he made some mistakes and the, the way some of the things happened at the end were not the right way to handle things. Well, I mean, people make mistakes. And Joe Sackick, after Patrick was hired, very much said, oh, no, he's ready. I, I've had a real opportunity in the, in the last number of years to watch Patrick's team. A number of the players that played in Quebec went there when they were 16 and 17 years of age. And so knowing those kids, knowing their parents, he, he nurtured them. He nurtured them and helped them grow. And, you know, the last couple of years, Quebec Ramparts were a really good team. In uh, uh, They win the Memorial Cup last year, spending time with Patrick Waugh. Listen, you, it, smart people learn from, from, from past experiences, good and bad. And Patrick is a fiery person and a, a highly intelligent uh, person, a really good coach. He didn't have a losing record in Colorado. He never had, like, I mean, his record, he was always had a winning record in Colorado. And then you go, he comes back, he watches, he learns, he talks about the things that I needed to do better, how I needed to relate to the players and everything. And he, he said when he got the job in, in Long Island, he said, I don't need this. I, like, you know what? It was too much. I just want to coach. So it's he's in a perfect situation. Lou Lamarillo looks at it and goes, I got this. You take care of that. You're going to have the responsibility to coach the team. I'll take care of the players, and now you can work. And I think Patrick is not only prepared for that, I also think uh, Patrick is totally accepting of that. And I, I watched him give up some – and when I say give up, good leaders are not afraid to give other people uh, responsibility and power. He did that in Quebec. Patrick was returning to the NHL. I don't have any doubt in my mind he is going to help the New York Islanders be successful. I'm not talking Stanley Cup this year. You know, the, the Islanders have some some work to do and whatnot, but I think that some teams missed out on Patrick Waugh. I really believe that. I think he's ready to come back to the league and help a team be successful. Good on Lou Lamarillo. Okay, let's bring up a graphic uh, that was put up, I believe, by TV Aspar, but it's in regards to Michael Anlauer. I don't know if you saw this. Earlier this morning, Michael Anlauer on 104.7 FM radio out of Gatineau with Michel Langevin. Le timing n'était pas là pour Patrick Roy. J'aurais aimé regarder ça à la fin de l'année. Et personnellement, j'aurais souhaité que Patrick Roy soit un des personnes pour nous. Michael Anlauer, who said that uh, regretfully, the timing wasn't great. For Patrick Waugh, he would have loved, he wanted to evaluate his coaching situation uh, until the end of the year. And um, he would have loved to have added someone like Patrick Waugh to his organization. Your thoughts? 
Why didn't you then? Why didn't you? I use an example, Tony. I, I use an example. It's great to evaluate, you know, and, and, and I think it's important. But, but a coach helps you evaluate. And, and, and I'm going to give you three examples. Two of them I was part of. So in 1995-96, Ken Hitchcock was our coach in, the, uh, in, uh, in Kalamazoo in the minors. He was a wildly successful junior coach. He'd had a little stint as an assistant coach with Philadelphia, came back to, uh, came back to, the, uh, came back to our team as the head coach in the minors. Bob Ganey stepped down, stepped down in January of 1996. We had a really good young team. We, we had just traded for Joe Neuendijk. We had Madonna. We had Hatcher. We had Matt Fitchuk, Lagenbrunner, Lettinen. We, we had a good young team. We had a really good young team in, in place. And we looked at our team. We said, we got to start establishing the standard. You know, Bob had felt that, like, it was time for him to leave. And Ken Hitchcock came in there. And from January on, he established a standard. We weren't going to make the playoffs that year. We didn't. We were the fifth worst team in the league. But he established a standard. Go look at our record. 96, 97, 97, 98, 98, 99, 99, 2000. And then, you know, to, to 2002, go look at what Hitch did. He set us up for success. In 2002, I was the manager in Calgary, and we had made some moves, we, including signing Marty Jelena, trading for Chris Drury and Stefan Yell. We had Jerome McGinley. We had a good young defense. We were really in a good place, and our coaching wasn't very good. And I went and hired Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter came into our team in, in December, just after Christmas. And he took our team and set it up big time. I wasn't there. I was, I, I, I was, I was, uh, I was let go at the end of that year. But Daryl coming in set the standard for our team. Oh, yeah, they went to the Stanley Cup final the next year. And then they started going up. Uh, obviously, there was a lockout. I, you know, maybe having Daryl earlier in the year would have been better. Maybe we would have made the playoffs because it was clear what he did. Yeah. And I'm going yeah. to go back to next last spring. And Rick Tockett came in. And look what he did for the Vancouver Canucks, setting a standard and moving forward. Like, if you're going to just wait and, 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 and just wait and, oh, we're going to wait to this and wait and we'll see who else is out there, you're also going to miss opportunity. And like I said about Patrick Watt here, watching him, seeing him, spending some time with him, hearing him, knowing what he's done, like – Tell me what you're like. Great, evaluate your team. Patrick Wall coming in and coaching this, the Ottawa. Did you hear what the New York Islanders said the other day when they the players? Oh my God, he comes in. I mean, the Stanley Cups, the Con Smites, the winning history, everything he's done. Winning them, they talked about him winning the Memorial Cup. You don't think he wouldn't yeah. have brought that into Ottawa? How about the fans in Uniondale? Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. You don't think that wouldn't yeah. have worked pretty good in Ottawa? I think it would have worked just yeah. fine. I, hey, I'm not here to tell people what to do. I know this. Yeah. And I said it. If I was in Ottawa, I would have hired Patrick as quick as possible. Yeah. Michael Anlauer once again uh, on with Michel Langevin, 104.7 FM radio out of Gatineau. J'aime beaucoup Patrick. C'est un vrai champion et il sait comment gagner. I really like Patrick a lot. He's a real champion and he knows how to win. I regret a little bit the fact that I didn't hire him. J'aurais aimé évaluer la situation derrière le banc à la fin de l'année. I would have liked to evaluate the situation behind the bench at the end of the year. 
Patrick Roy aurait été un candidat pour nous. Patrick would have been a candidate for us. Uh, autant sur la glace que hors glace. On ice and off the ice. All right, there you have it. Look, I agree. I like Michael Anlauer a lot. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. I think this is the easy thing for him to say. I think that if he really wanted to hire Patrick Waugh, you don't wait a minute, you hire him. I mean, Jacques uh, Martin is there on an interim basis. I mean, come on. That's right. And, and all the players know he's in there on an interim basis. And an interim yeah. basis coach that doesn't set the standard, doesn't set the bar and becomes uncompromising how we're going to play. And they got lots of good young players. That team needs – You know, I, I went through the same thing in Calgary. You know, you, you, you hire coaches, you hire rookie coaches, you hire coaches and try to give them a chance. And our team had moved to a point in time where they needed Daryl Sutter. They needed a Daryl Sutter to come in and, and establish that because they, they weren't ready to go through growing pains with, a, with, with an inexperienced coach anymore. And Patrick's not an inexperienced coach. And, and, and I, you just heard what I said. You heard what happened in Long Island. And I respect that. Yeah. I, I, I am all the time in the world for Michael Anlauer. But he just said, on the ice and off the ice, he would have helped us. You just heard what I said. There was no yeah. question in my mind. He walks in through those doors. It's instant credibility. All right. So the reason why we're pre-recording this once again a little bit earlier is because earlier this evening was the CHL-NHL top prospects game in Moncton, a game that you will be working or that you worked because this is airing, of course, a little bit later after the game. So let's take a look at Team Red versus Team White, if we can. And we'll start with Team Red. Here are the lines. Jekko with Massey and Howe, uh, Boyard on the second line with Baudin and Vanneker. I'm going to get some of these names wrong, by the way, because I don't know these prospects the way you do. Uh, Josephson with the Mietinen and uh, why, why don't you do the honors as a matter of fact, now that I think of it? <laughs> well, let me just say this to you. Okay. So yeah. this draft is interesting it, uh, quickly on the two teams, the defense group and the two and the, on the two teams, 10 of the defensemen are right shot defensemen in wow. the game, 10 of them, 10 of them. And the only left shot defenseman on Team Red is Sam Dickinson. Now, I think Sam Dickinson is an elite prospect. I think out, out of the group of players on Team Red, he is clearly the best player, the best prospect. You know, do the Montreal Canadiens need to draft another defenseman? You know, I, I guess you can always say you can never have enough. Sam is going to play 16, 17 years in the National Hockey League. He controls the game. He's got a mastery of it. He might be like Aaron Eckblatt. I mean, that's the type of player that I think Sam kind of type of game that he has. Uh, Andrew Basha, a, an outstanding uh, player that can make plays, score goals, really smart, can, can play with really good players. And so – To me, the best forward there is Andrew Basha. The best defenseman there is Sam Dickinson. And this is the challenge for a lot for the NHL scouts now, is that, okay, you're trying to look at the, some of those other players, and those other players all bring different elements and different skills. Uh, Mateko, who plays in St. John, is six foot five. He plays heavy. He plays hard. He's a Latvian. So you, you watch some of those players, and Adam Jekko is a, is a six foot four, very skilled player. And, and you're watching, like, okay, where do these go? I, I, I should say Zane Parekh. I, I, I don't know how I miss Zane Parekh because him and Dickinson are the two best players. I said Dickinson's like Aaron Ekblad. 
had Zane Perex like Eric Carlson. So, you know, you talk about, you know, difference makers. Montreal has lots of defense. But then after that, Andrew Basher, now you're trying to sort out those other players. How good is Cole Baudouin compared to Ole Josephine, compared to Merrick Vanneker? You know, how does it all work? Maxim Massé is a really good two-way player. Uh, you know, Ryerson Leanders is, is, is a goaltender that's going to get drafted, but he's probably not going to get drafted to the fourth or fifth round or even later just because mm-hmm. he's a six, he's a sub six foot one goaltender and NHL teams yeah. are just not drafting those, those goaltenders early. So that's team no. red. And, and the scouting process is trying to figure out those other guys. Uh, there's a name there that I recognize playing left wing. The family name of course is again, uh, how well do you know this player? He's pretty good. Wow, well, yeah. he's really a good player. You know, he's a lot like his dad, uh, Tony, where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. He he, wow. he can score goals. He's smart. There's not one individual area where he stands out as the best in class, but you put it all together, the smarts, the shot, the ability to compete, uh, understanding, you know, where the hard areas are and finding ways to – to be successful, really, really good player and, and and a player that can play with with good players. Liam Greentree, a young player, he just was named captain of Windsor. Another really well-rounded uh, winger that can that they can use his body. Berkeley Catton, we've heard a lot about him. He's a he's up. Mike Richards, if people remember Mike Richards, that's who it reminds me of. Tarek Parasek is is a highly skilled player. Jet Luchenko, another really skilled player that can do a lot of things in the game. And then you got Carter Yakimchuk, uh, another right shot defenseman, plays a game like Evan Bouchard, really, really strong in terms of taking the puck and making plays uh, offensively. Spencer Gill, he, he's a native of Moncton, playing in his hometown, plays up in Ramouski. And, and one of those quiet, settling players that you win with. And so, you know, you're trying to figure it out. Luke Mesa is a, is a younger player, very skilled. His, his younger brother, Michael, uh, exceptional status. But you're looking at some players that have some skill, that ha- have some different abilities. And, and this is where the NHL scouts, you only get one crack. And, you know, some teams will have two picks in the first round and yeah. maybe some more picks in the top two rounds. You get more cracks at these guys, but you're trying to sort out again. I, I'm going back. You try to get all your bases covered. Well, for the NHL teams now, it's trying to get your bases covered in the prospect cupboard. And it, it's a great opportunity for the kids uh, to go out. They want to be up. They, they always want to put their best foot forward. I think it gives them a chance to test themselves against the other top prospects in the CHL. And that's always fun. And, and certainly it's one game. It's not the end all and the be all. And you got to keep it in mind. Yeah. It's, a, it's a body of work, but it, it's fun for the kids. And then, you know, they get up, they, they get a chance to be on national TV. Craig, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. The next time you and I are going to talk, which is most likely going to be next week on Wednesday, will be a bye week for the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about the game that the the CHL, NHL top prospects game that was. And of course, we'll talk about other prospects because uh, there's so many names that are being thrown out there right now. I know Bob McKenzie came out with his list. One of our regular collaborators, Grant McCack, came out with his list. We have Simon Boisvert, who's who's uh, very, very passionate about some of the prospects as well. He's got some players that he's really high about. So I look forward to talking to you about the game that was, as well as some other prospects uh, around this time next week. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I'll have a bye week. I I will be joining you from the beaches of Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. You live the way I dream. (laughs) 
That's it. Uh, I'll take that, Tony. I'll leave on that note. (laughs) You live the way I dream. There you have it. Uh, TSN uh, hockey analyst, of course, and director of scouting, Craig Budden. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Once again, special thanks to all of you watching and all of you listening to you, my sick army, and you, my sick community. If you liked it, like it, share with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. And special thanks, of course, to our partners and sponsors, Energy Transportation Group, as well as La Bitta TB, as well as Playground. For Agnello and Sammy and Juliana at Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.